Um, so to to start off the meeting, I guess we could share with people that uh, Nathan can't make it. Um, he, he had a funeral to attend, um, but he'll keep attending the next next time we do this. Um, and we're, we look forward to hearing uh, commentary from people in the chat. I guess we only have a few people in there now, but um, feel free to keep chatting at us. Hello, Carrie. And uh, so I had already sent uh, Andrew and Nick a list of some things to review here for this one that we'll talk about. And my goal of this is to try to get a comprehension, which we mentioned in the last meeting that we would discuss intelligent infinity to a degree. Um, and, and kind of to weave into that topic, it's kind of good to know like how they originally started describing it, which was in the session 13, where they went into the kind of the cosmology of the of the nature of reality, I guess. I don't even know how you could explain everything they, because it's almost like they're giving a, a wider scope of reality than we would normally ever expect. It's not talking about physical reality. It's not even just talking about thoughts. It's talking about infinite potential and infinite intelligence creating all of all of thought and all of reality. Much more fundamental, for sure. Yeah, so, I actually wrote in the margin, um, the. Uh, it must have been the first time I read it or the second time uh, years ago. Uh, the Big Bang equals the moment of awareness. Because that's, I mean, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about everything. They're talking about creation and what preceded creation and what preceded that. Yeah, there's a lot in here about intelligent energy that, as you guys know, I'll, I'll probably draw back to the Tree of Life, but that um, clicked especially well, um, this time, the relationship between intelligent infinity and uh, intelligent energy. Uh, uh, I think that the uh, the emanations in the Sephiroth are, are described perfectly here, actually. Um, wow. Yeah, it's almost like the, uh, uh, to put it extremely crudely, like the coffee filter that the water goes through the coffee and then it goes through the filter and then it becomes coffee. It's like what matter went through to become matter is the Sephiroth. And I mean, Ayurveda has a, a way of describing it. Um, what, what's Ayurveda's called? What's it called? Uh, becoming matter? Manifestation? Yeah, no, I can't remember the word. There's a word in um, Sanskrit. I can't remember it just yet. And they do talk about that specifically where um, it becomes form uh, almost rather versus force. And similarly, um, I liked how they were talking about um, becoming an object versus becoming an activity. Um, that was, I believe, the distortion of love, the primary distortion of love versus the comparison to the action of love or the vibration of love, which is um, a different concept. Yeah, that's good to get into. Uh, so I guess we should bring people in on what we're talking about with session 13 here. Yeah. We can share my screen now. All right. So we're going to start out with uh, session 13, question five here. And yeah, this, they basically started this discussion at, at this point. So he's trying, Don Elkins, the questioner, is trying to figure out the, the best way to get into the nature of reality. And so he says, can you tell me the first earliest known thing in creation? And Ross says, the first known thing in creation is infinity. The infinity is creation. And 
for me, the word infinity didn't really have um, much meaning um, beyond like a mathematical concept. Infinity to me, and I guess based on my childhood learning around it, is just that you use it in a mathematical sense when the number is just going up and up beyond all other numbers. Um, but maybe infinity means a lot more to a being who sees that all all, all of reality is infinite. And they they talk about this and um, either a little bit later in this session or one of the other ones that we reviewed uh, for this, um, the second aspect or second definition of intelligent infinity being the infinite potential mm -hmm. and um, that being catalyzed um, into the kinetic. And so that was kind of interesting, dual aspects, not just uh, of infinite intelligence, but infinite potentiality as a secondary quality. Yep. Here they don't say intelligence. They just say, they start with infinity. Infinity is creation. Um, and then and then the next one, they say, from this infinity, then must have come what we experience as creation. What was the next step or the next evolvement? And Ross says, infinity became aware. This was the next step. So I assume this is relating to infinite intelligence. So it's like right. intelligence has to come out of some sort of source backdrop of infinite existence this reminds me of the um i think mike you had you had left by this point but i i showed andrew a um there's an alan watts video online uh it's called alan watts um the dream of life and he talks about that he puts it really eloquently but it's it's just basically like you know we're we humans, everything, you know, animate or inanimate is God. And it's all just here in the physical realm, just pretending it's not so it can know what not being God is like. I mean, to put it in a really short way, um, but it's just, it, honestly, I feel like this session, this, this section of this session doesn't matter if you're, you know, any religion, just read it instead of saying questioner and Ra, you know, if you're Christian, questioner Jesus, if you're Muslim, questioner Allah, you know, just, just, yeah. just, it, it, it describes it for you. Yeah. Yeah. So this part where they start talking about focusing, this is where I start thinking of the Sephirah. The Sephirah are thought to be emanations of light. And so they do emanate their own light, but they're, they're more or less powered by the light that's coming from the top of the tree of life keter which to me i don't want to um oversimplify it but it really does seem to be this light of love as uh distortion as um, primal force and logos even and even activating or organizing principle i guess i should say for everything that comes in the tree of life below so each of the sephirah here refocus and and modify the light so this becomes a prism in a way the tree of life and so it's got this light that's coming in down toward the top and infinite intelligence becomes infinite uh energy or intelligent energy when this pattern is applied at a universal level and so this particular prism with these 
emanations or these filters, if you will, at each of these uh, spheres is one way of looking at one prism through which this light can be shown to create a universal experience. And so, so this maps really well with, um, with the sessions that we're going through here today. The, the nothing limitless, limitless light. Is that, is that like how it, how it emanates into the crown? Those are at the very top. Those are referred to as three veils. There are three veils beyond the light of Keter. And I, cannot um necessarily try to characterize them for you because i myself only have a very very limited sort of um idea of what these might be but there are additional filters veils that go that are above this so this might be if the light coming into Ketar, for example were uh love as a second distortion well then above that above that logos is of course the one infinite creator itself and perhaps um uh free will as well um for example so i don't know exactly um exactly how those map but um that might give you an idea that there are some things above the light that comes into to keter well there's three of them and the law of one says there's these first three distortions before there is the creation of yeah. the dimensions in the universe yeah exactly i was just thinking that like the like if if the sephirot were how matter how matter uh takes its form uh not to jump ahead but they said that light is a crucial element to understand how matter is formed so limitless light and then before there was light to create matter there was uh the universe being aware of itself and wanting to um explore finiteness and that would be the limitlessness and then i personally would think with no in-depth knowledge of that uh the sephirot and all um that nothing and all of the religions that say and science that says that there was nothing or that matter was all condensed to a single point and then the big bang happened i think i think that we as finite beings are trying to describe something that we cannot understand because it is infinite therefore we assign it with nothing uh, all matter condensed in the one place because we cannot conceptualize what it was, what it what what it was to for for to be God and to become aware of itself. I've actually wondered at some points if um, if nothing was more of um, almost an analogy or an allegory or or a, a metaphor in a way for really the opposite, and it was probably a lot easier to conceive yeah. of nothing in in an infinite capacity than everything in infinite yeah. capacity and sometimes i wonder if that's not actually the opposite but yeah. um yeah exactly no you could say if a thing is a distortion there's no distortion <laughs> there's no there's right no thing. thing not necessarily nothing but no thing yeah. there is there is nothing distinct from the whole Therefore, it, it could be described as everything. It's everything in potential. Now, which is interesting at the top of the session, um, and this where we are right here, um, where we've got it just became aware. And yet before that, infinity is creation. And that is interesting that um, infinity 
um, has inherent within it creative power and potential. And I suppose it has to because it's infinite, which means that everything will exist within it um, in one way or another. And therefore, so is so is the the creative potential. And then that creative potential leads to awareness. That's pretty fascinating. So we could continue reading on here a bit. Um, I think we kind of jumped ahead a bit, and but it'll be more clear for people, I think, when we read it all. Mm-hmm. Um, after this, what happened? After infinity became aware, what happened? And Ross said, awareness led to the focus of infinity into infinite energy. And this is what they described at other points, as Andrew was referring to, is the 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 potential is the is the infinite energy, the, or the the kinetic is the infinite energy. The potential is the infinite awareness and the infinite intelligence. So, awareness led to a focus of infinite infinite infinity into infinite energy. You have called this by various vibrational sound complexes, meaning words. The most common to your ears being logos, or or love. Um, and down here, there's a note here that was added to say this means the creative principle or love. According to Ra, the Logos is the second distortion. They describe that later. They call it the second distortion. The creator is the focus, the focusing of infinity as an aware or conscious principle called by us as closely as we can create understanding, learning in your language, intelligent infinity. So it's interesting they 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 define the creator here essentially the creator is the focusing of infinity as an aware or conscious principle that they call intelligent infinity yeah it's awareness um which also uh, and this i think also leads to the first distortion being free will so this is the creator becoming aware and focusing its intention through will. Yeah. Uh, if if I could give a tip, something that helped me get through this, reading it uh, multiple times uh, to people who may be reading it for their first time. I when I when I read something like this passage thirteen seven, I would highlight all of the stuff and not highlight the things like you have called this by your vibrational sound complexes, the most common to your ears, logos or love. So I would highlight awareness led to the focus of infinite into infinite energy, logos or love. The creator is the focusing of infinite infinity as an aware or conscious principle called intelligent infinity. So basically, you, you're cutting out all that stuff where they're like, you know, you maybe hear this vibrational sound frequencies that most closely right. known by your people. And it makes the message a little bit more clear if you kind of chop that out and read it right. as a coherent sentence. Yeah. It's fascinating, though, that they do feel the need to include all that extra verbiage as though they want to constantly reinforce that these are just words and these words oh, definitely are <laughs> and and the fact that not only are they just words but they're like just words that make sense in our solar system to our peoples you know what i mean like yeah. they're they're definitely showing you that like you live in this very focused area and there's all this the rest of this out there uh but 
on a first read through, I was like, okay, I understand what you're trying to put through, but let me get, let me get to the message here. What do you, what, what's the real message in, in, from this passage? Right. Yeah. It, it, I, I, I don't know if it would be appropriate for us to have like a, a condensed version ever mm -hmm. written at some point. Oh no. Yeah, there would be, you'd funny. lose so much, but just yeah. if like, cause I'll read Pat, some of the passages are like a page, two pages long. And if you kind of cross out lightly, all of that, all of that extra stuff, and then you read it, it helps you understand it. You know, I figured this out on like the fourth, I would read a passage four or five times and be like, okay, okay. What are the, what are the, what's the extra stuff in here a little bit, yeah. but you, it needs to be there. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, one thing is that it needs more commas, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Reading between the lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that um, the punctuation is super critical to break yeah. it up into pieces to understand it properly. And I mean, the punctuation was completely up to them, because if you listen to, you know, awareness led. Yeah. to you know what i mean like it was completely up to them to to put the punctuation in yeah maybe i could even maybe we could talk to toby wheelock and we'll do a, a find replace on um all of those standard phrases it would be interesting to see it but i think we're all in agreement as well that they're being careful about yeah the yeah that they're using i think it, it it delivers a lot of perspective that you need to have but if you're really trying to eat into what they're talking about, that that um, reading around that that perspective that they're giving you, because I've I've felt like sometimes when reading these passages, I get into this meditative state where it's almost like as you're reading it, you're getting like a download. And as I would read some of the things it would get a little choppy where they'd be like, you have called this by your vibrational and I would kind of come out of it a little bit. So I would read the the whole session, go back and uh, highlight certain sections and then reread that. And um, it, it just, I mean, it, it just opens up different things in your mind. Yep. All right. Let's um, let's move on. I'm seeing that. Can you state the next step at the bottom? And the anticipation is killing me. <laughs> Even though I've, I've read this like, I don't know, 11 times in the last uh, 18 hours. So the next step is still at the space-time nexus in your illusion achieving its progression as you may see it in your illusion. The next step is an infinite reaction. So they're basically saying the next step is what's still happening in our current reality. Right. The next in step, all realities, I think. Yeah, yeah. The next step is an infinite reaction to the creative principle following the law of one in one of its primal distortions, freedom of will. An infinite reaction to the creative principle following the law of one in free freedom of will. Yeah, that's just, you know, the the pure potentiality wants to see what finiteness is, but it doesn't want to interrupt it in any way, shape, or form. So it's just saying, all right, go. I'm not going to touch you. Do, it's do what focused you do. awareness. That's what you put your awareness on is the freedom of will, and that creates an infinite reaction because you something comes into your awareness and then and then you you process that or you move through a cycle of understanding of that and then you move into a new the next stage of creation or the next thing that you want to create 
And they also refer to the word creative principle as being love um, in another place, I think. And this is why it's in the note here. So the creative principle is meaning that love is is basically what what is what, what is what is choosing the the, the, the path, I guess, the, the focus. Right. Yeah, it's it's the organizing principle. Like it's it's intelligent as as a logos itself, which is interesting because where Don goes with this, where we're gonna go here in the in one of the next sections here is where he wants to understand love as a vibration. And it's like, well, no, in this case it's more of an intelligence. It's more of a of a principle, an organizing principle than it is um the vibration itself or the the action of love. Mm -hmm. But not to get too far ahead. Yeah, it's so hard with uh, <laughs> a word that has so many meanings to so many people. So calling it a creative principle, I think, is an important foundation. I think that this is about creation, mm -hmm. and that really lends to when they say everything you do is for either love of self or love of other selves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, it all comes from love. It's just what are you loving? So following along love acting out of free will, thus many, many dimensions, infinite in number, are possible. And it's it's also still unclear to me if every time they use the word dimension, that was just the same thing as density to them, and they still hadn't switched over. But dimensions can mean so many things too. So yeah, it's... It's mind-boggling, potentially, what, what could be out there. Yeah, I think that's when, when people talk about the, um, you know, the Mandela effect and things like that, because everything is happening all the time, all at once, and where you put your awareness determines which, which line you're on, which timeline you're on at the time. And that's, that's how you get those Mandela effects and things like that. But, you know, whether you woke up and I mean, any, the butterfly effect is the best way to put it. You know, every single decision, every single action creates a different timeline. That's why they have to say that there are absolute infinite possibilities. You know, if you take a breath now or you take a breath now, and then that's a totally different universe as you echo down the line, you know? Yeah. Time spaces, I would call those. Yeah, this almost gets me thinking about archetypal sacred geometry, actually, as we move from the dot or the point in the center of the circle to a straight line and a triangle and so forth. Each of these um, emanations or developments um, create a new perspective. And in a way, we could look at that as a as a different dimension, as a um, literally as we move along and, and develop um, greater and more complex sacred geometry those are literally forming new dimensions as we create new perspectives. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, everything's coming from mind, but they haven't mentioned mind yet. Uh, they just mentioned, I guess they mentioned awareness. So that's kind of like mentioning mind. If everything is coming from awareness, it's coming from mind. Right. Well, like the uh, uh, awareness would be the mind of the infinite. Yeah. As opposed to our minds. So I'll keep going here. The energy moves from the intelligent infinity due first to the outpouring of randomized creative force. So 
I'll, I'll finish the sentence here. So the energy moves from the intelligent infinity due first to the outpouring of randomized creative force, this then creating patterns which in holographic style appear as the entire creation, no matter which direction or energy is explored. Yeah, that, so as soon as we got to randomize, obviously that's, <laughs> that's a bit of a head scratcher. Um, that's, that's almost like a full stop for me, honestly, because we're at, you know, this infinite intelligence and organizing principles. And we're talking about all these things that are, that are, you know, about to create the everything as we know it. And then it starts, it starts with a randomizer. Um, <laughs> it's just kind of interesting. And then the holographic part makes perfect sense to me. Again, that goes back to, if you look at the tree of life as a prism, and again, imagine infinite numbers of trees of life with all different patterns of sephira and different ways of filtering light down through which creates a a fractal pattern that just goes and goes and goes you know for one whole uh universe at a time so that part actually makes a little you know was a little bit easier for me the second clause there than than the first well one way i i'm i've been trying to process it is is there really if there's no thing to start with, if there's no, if there's no existing system that you have as reference in order to say, like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if there is no evil, there's no good. There's no good or evil in, in, a, in an initial state of pure life energy, pure love. And so the desire to have something, you know, it's almost like, you know, the, the AI systems that are being built cannot cannot have anything without being fed a whole bunch of data even though they have all this potential they without being fed a bunch of data to start with there's really there's really yeah. no value in it which is why i didn't want to go there because that's exactly what it makes me think of is an ai that needs it needs data to start with and to start with that's going to be random um i mean that would be the 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 only appropriate thing for it to to do Right. And I just, I don't, I don't, you know, particularly like drawing the parallels to AI, though it's intelligence as we know it, it's intelligence yeah. as we define it. And so I guess it's, um, it's as a close an analogy as we're going to find. Well, I guess maybe it wasn't totally random because of the fact that they've talked about the harvest of previous universes being, you know, delivering certain archetypal patterns and maybe they're not getting into that at this point um because well, Rob basically said the previous that, octaves though right so if right. this is what they're talking about before or hate to use words like before when we're not even into i i think that's time. it's unclear if they're not talking about um if they are or not talking about all the octaves outside of the one that we're currently in because apparently it's the same the same journey in each octave um to to go from basically this infinite intelligence into manifestation. So it still can be randomized creative force um, put through the lens or yeah. the focus for a particular logos, for example. Right. Right. Each logos has some starting point of experimentation, I guess. Yeah. Right. And creative force in this case is that love because we were talking about that as creative principle. 
So would this be randomized love, for example? Are there different, um, is love as logos individuated and its own thing, or are there different flavors of that as creative principle? Yeah, each logos has a different flavor to it. But would you suspect that there is that love exists as an infinite number of of individuated aspects of itself, even? Um, yeah, because it's being randomized creative force. So, I mean, could there be a different flavor of not just love the vibration, but love the distortion? I think that if we read the next sentence, it it'll become a little bit more clear <laughs> just because. That, that we're we're stuck on this point but i think that this point was the like the first point that they're talking about like the creation of the first universe and then there it, it's because like it says these patterns of energy begin then to regularize their own local shall we say rhythms and fields of energy thus creating dimensions in universe so where they're talking about in the two previous sentences is just before all of the universes started to form and like you know when you you experience anything for the first time you have to go into it and start to learn you know the rules of the game or the physics of the world uh, or like how how to just you know like it, it it was almost like the creator was a toddler and it was trying to figure out how its hands worked and then once it figured out how its hands worked then it could decide like, oh, well, now I can pick a pen up. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. then from picking up this pen, you started this universe and you picked up this highlighter and you started this universe. It's like it's like the the universe as a as a um, I, I, and no insult at all, but it's almost like intelligent infinity as a uh, as a, a, a dumb entity trying to figure out because it is infinite. And it's trying to figure out finiteness. You know, it's like if you were not a pilot and you were trying to figure out how to fly, stuff that pilots know is basic stuff is new to you. So you have to you have to figure it all out. Yeah, yeah. So in this previous sentence, they're talking about these patterns, which in holographic style appears the entire creation, and these patterns of energy um, are the starting point. Yeah, those patterns, that's the that's what to me looks like the prism of the tree of life. And I think the only question there is 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 holography happening prior to the formation of a particular prism or tree of life for one particular universe. If if, for example, the tree of life as we know it is the the tree of life that depicts our universe. Right. Was there was holography did that exist at a at a, a higher state first? Which, again, being holographic, if it's also fractalized, then I think the answer would have to be yes. Though, um, then we're talking about you know the Kabbalists talk about the four worlds actually, and um, that might be somewhat kind of um, useful in that regard because this is sort of the the organizing principles again of of formation and creation themselves and i wonder if that's um how those started trickling down i think we might get into this if we keep on going we might yeah. discuss some of that more yeah um so don then asked 
Can you tell me how the galaxy and this planetary system were formed? And Ra says, you must imagine a great leap of thought in this query for at the last query, the physical, as you call it, universes were not yet born. So they're talking about they're not being physical universes here. So I guess the holography is separate from the physical universes appearing, if that's right. that's what they're saying. Um, which, yeah, I, I guess I guess you need some kind of holographic con concept for even an image in the mind to appear for something to fill the mind that's still holographic. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. The energies moved in increasingly intelligent patterns until the individualization of various energies emanating from the creative principle of intelligent infinity became such as to be co-creators. The energies moved in increasingly intelligent patterns until the individualization of various energies emanating from the creative principle of intelligent infinity became such as to be co-creators. So, so somehow, oh yeah, yeah, somehow individualization was a part of this next process. One of the things I thought of when when reading this was that it, I mean, it, it emanates down from such a um, inconceivableness down to every decision that you make is based on, you know, your history. And one of the things that I wrote was um, uh, a, a, an intelligent pattern among our solar system example of like gravity. You know, if there, what if there isn't gravity on other planets and decisions are made based on gravity. So like that becoming a principle that we live by, that we know that, you know, you can't just float, you know, you're going to fall to the ground. And then that becomes a wave that everything on this planet starts to build as a principle that you have to then move forward from. And then all your decisions are based on that intelligent pattern, you know, like a core intelligent pattern of this planet in this logos, in this solar system. And then you could just, you know, upscale yeah. it the whole way up. Yeah. Yeah. We could talk about gravity at some point too. Maybe I should make a note of that. Um, they discuss gravity at a different point. Um, and it seems like gravity is kind of like a fundamental principle of unity coming back into one. I mean, I just want to say this, Mike, I, I made a note and I'm going to, I'm going to do it on my own, but maybe we can talk about this too. I want to go into a deep dive of what the origin of the word logos is. Yeah, yeah. that would be awesome. But there are many, many schools of thought in, in if you look up the Wikipedia page, you'll, you'll just, it's endless rabbit holes from the Wikipedia yeah, page. I bet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're pretty good at rabbit holes here in this group. <laughs> yeah. So I'll read that one more time and then continue reading. The energies moved in increasingly intelligent patterns until the individualization of various energies emanating from the creative principle of intelligent infinity became such as to be co-creators, the logos, the logoi. Thus, the so-called physical matter began. The concept of light is instrumental in grasping this great leap of thought as this vibrational distortion of infinity is the building block of that which is known as matter, the light being intelligent and full of energy, thus being the first distortion of intelligent infinity, which was caused by the creative principle. 
was that's called, right, called, the called. There's a, a few references here in the sessions that you provided that, I mean, I, I think we all recall the first three distortions, um, free will, love, and light, and that's just because they've described them in, in other sessions. But in this one, they even referred um, previously in the previous section to um, freedom of will as one of the primary distortions as opposed to the first distortion. And now um, here we are looking at this again as light as the um, light is generally the third, but this is saying the first distortion of intelligent infinity, which was called by the creative principle. So if that's love, which we thought, which we were previously knowing as the second distortion, then light is the first distortion of love, which is actually the second distortion of the uh, intelligent infinity. Okay. Yeah. All so right. the current that principle is the second distortion. Yeah. So called by the second distortion, called forth, I guess, is that, that's the third distortion, then the light, the third distortion. Yeah. So the, I, I know I've said it to you guys before, um, but I don't know if it was on these calls or the other calls. Um, the, uh, the the translation of hieroglyphics in in um, Egypt, where they talked about um, the Rosetta Stone, the people that originally decoded the Rosetta Stone, the one guy said that he was hesitant to hand in his uh, decoding of hieroglyphics because everybody wants a hieroglyph to be like a letter, which holds a phonetic value, and then a string of hieroglyphs make a word, which is a concept. And then the word together in a sentence forms like the the action or the greater meaning. And it almost seems to me like Ra is speaking like the guy wanted to. The guy originally said that he wanted the hieroglyphics to be more like um, acronyms like we use now. Like um, uh, the only ones I could think of are governmental ones. I don't know. Or LOL, laugh out loud. You know, it doesn't mean lull. It means laugh out loud. So it seems to me like he's saying that intelligence is the first distortion. Intelligent infinity is the second distortion. So the first distortion of intelligent infinity is, is um, light. You know, so like intelligence would be free will, the first distortion. And then intelligent infinity would be love, the second distortion. So the first distortion of intelligent infinity would, in fact, be the third distortion. Hmm. I still see the creative principle as the second distortion. And this is described elsewhere too. We can we can keep on okay. covering more of this. Right. Um, yeah, it's kind of not worth getting caught up on right now. I think um, this light of love. So that, <laughs> that's a great way of calling it, I guess. This light of love was made to have in its occurrences of being certain characteristics is occurrences of being. So this light of love was made to have in its occurrences of being certain characteristics among them, the infinite whole paradoxically described by the straight line, as you would call it. So, so light itself is, is a, is a pattern that has the characteristic of, being a straight line. This paradox is responsible for the shape of the various physical illusion entities you call solar systems, galaxies, and planets, 
all revolving and tending towards the lenticular. Yeah, I think they, they, they circle back on the distortions on other points, but um, do you have any thoughts on the straight line? Uh, um, well, the characteristics, among them the infinite whole. Yeah. So the infinite whole, so this is getting back to holography, perhaps, that within the light, the, the whole is contained. Now, described as a straight line is sort of the, the second question, but I guess I'm starting just before that, that um, yeah. the infinite whole is one of the characteristics. Now, it's paradoxically described by a straight line, but um, that is that holography to you? Is that what that sounds like? Yeah. Okay. I've always thought of just because of what they said pr uh, previously when he said that um, – uh did he say previously or did he say it afterwards he said the the concept that you have to understand oh no no okay um so um and, and another thing when i when i read this if you if you read this 13 9 13 10 13 11 when you get down to 13 11 and 13 12 he says oh we probably should have described this before 13 10 so then when i went back and i reread it i reread it 13, 8, 13, 10, 13, 11, 13, 12, and then back to 13, 9, because he, he talks about how light is a key factor in matter, like how matter actually became. Right. So that's, that's why I thought of, I, when I went back and reread it in the, in the, in the order that he seems like it should have been read, yeah. um, they talk about how light, that seems to me like light is the holograph the holographic entity everything is in light and then your perception which is also light you know is forming the matter yeah we can we can get through these because yeah that's what that's what he said next uh i think i made an error in asking a question getting ahead of the process would it be helpful to fill in the great fill in that great leap i mistakenly made and ross says i attempted to bridge the gap however you may question me in any manner and then <laughs> don asks uh could you tell me taking the question previous to the one that I asked about galaxies and planets, would you tell me the next step that occurred after that step? The steps, as you call them, are, <laughs> at the point of question, simultaneous and infinite. <laughs> Which is where they started, right? They yeah. said that the third step is still happening. <laughs> yeah. Could you tell me how intelligent infinity became, shall we say, how intelligent infinity became individualized from itself? And then Ross said, this is an appropriate question. The intelligent infinity discerned a concept. This concept was discerned due to freedom of will and will of awareness. Freedom of will of awareness. This concept was finity. This was the first and primal paradox or distortion of the law of one. Thus, the one intelligent infinity invested itself in an exploration of manyness. Due to the infinite possibilities of intelligent infinity, there is no ending to manyness. The exploration thus is free to continue infinitely in an eternal present. I think most of that makes a lot of sense, though um, this is what I was referring to a few minutes ago when I said that they're starting to throw off some of what the first 
you know, distortions are. It says here, this was the first and primal distortion of the law of one. Yeah. Uh, but it, it wasn't really, or I don't know. We're again, we're taught elsewhere in in more clear language, or at least language that we've all accepted that the will was the first distortion, and then love, and then light, and now this concept of finity is a first and primal paradox. So perhaps finity had to be created um, simultaneously with will. Yeah, with will. Yeah, it would kind of make sense because will is the selection. Uh, of the potential catalyzed into the kinetic and it's let's focus that that attention down into one thing so literally it is going from infinity to to the finite okay that makes sense then look we resolved the paradox <laughs> well and i'll also point out because this this happened to me so many times in reading this again and it only happened after i watched that documentary that talked about the translation of hieroglyphs if and if when Ross says intelligent infinity, baked into Ross saying intelligent infinity, Ross implying the first distortion of free will, intelligent, and then intelligent infinity, meaning this first and second distortion of free will and love, then you can read it as after the intelligent infinity or the first and second distortions discerned. So the two first distortions discerned this concept again it puts you on this third distortion like it's it seems like he's building a vocabulary to where when he says certain things in certain contexts he wants you to imply these other things as well hmm. yeah you know I mean, like light love that that, that meant nothing to us until he described it yeah, the words are clumsy and i think they they probably kept trying different different ways of, of talking about it to to iron out some of the distortions. Um, I wonder if they came from a, um, uh, a, a consciousness that didn't develop with a tongue. Remember how they said that like your, your people will develop with a tongue so that you won't have telepathy so easily? Yeah. I suspect that they were talking about most of the evolution of the galaxy, which would have been, which would have included Venus and Mars and yeah, Rob, they say Ra evolved on Venus, or they were mm -hmm. a third density point in Venus um, billions of years ago. But it's unclear how fast telepathy could have developed in a more, more, more harmonious society. True. I mean, I've, I've, ever since I was like 18 or whatever, I've, I've played with friends and said, think of a picture and try and send me the picture. And uh, I have, multiple friends I've done it with and found out that like some friends are good senders and some friends are good receivers, you know, some can do both. And that's just, you know, playing with it here in, in the time space that we're in now. Imagine if we didn't have to get through all the crap that we have to get through on this, on this plane, mm -hmm. plane of existence. Well, let's, let's take a stab at the next one here. Um, we, there are so many discussions around intelligent infinity, um, that, I mean, maybe I could even just, I could, I could just show you guys right now that the, if you do, if you go to law one and click on it, advanced search, law one and info search for intelligent, 
it's gonna be the it's gonna be all the books <laughs> and you do exact phrase search you have to do exact phrase search you can't just search up here once you do the exact phrase search then you, you see exactly where that where that occurs it's so 109 uh q a's have reference to intelligent infinity so it's a it's a really big subject that has and every single one of these practically is adding on to the nuances of what we can comprehend when we see that phrase and this connects to experiences that people have of intelligent infinity and that's eventually where i want to lead to this discussion of what is intelligent infinity to us as people what what can we do with intelligent infinity because that was what we were talking about in the previous uh discussions also with the healing they said it was about opening up um if i go back to session five that uh we begin with the mental learn teachings necessary for contact with intelligent infinity so all, all this other tr this training work that they're assigning is is relating to what they call contact with intelligent infinity mm. so this is essentially saying we're in contact with like the primal core well, that's, that's the self i mean that is that is the self yeah i mean that contact is is within I know we, it seems like this external concept, but I don't. I don't think that that's the case because this is the the creator seeking to experience itself through manyness, and this contact is what seems to me more the rediscovery of of the self, the true self, the the one self. Yeah, and uh, the self is both intelligent infinity and intelligent energy yeah they talk about this in one of the other sessions i was looking forward to getting to that where they say that it's it's a reflection in a way um and that i think they're trying to say that in some ways we look at our contact with intelligent energy as sort of representative of our relationship with intelligent infinity um, because the intelligent energy is sort of what we see of it it's the it's we're the expression of it and therefore we can't grasp something that's going to be somehow outside of or above or that's transcended um, from that that goes back to those three veils that we were talking about if you can remember which one that was we could read it now but maybe we'll just go through them all you can go ahead and i'll, I'll uh, pull it up on my other screen here all right so to finish off what i wanted to cover here in session 13 the last one is was the galaxy that we are in created by the intel infinite intelligence or was it created by a portion of the individualized infinite intelligence. Ross says, the galaxy and all other things of material which you are, are aware, of which you are aware, are products of individualized portions of intelligent infinity. As each exploration began, it in turn found its focus and became co-creator. Using intelligent infinity, each portion created a universe and allowing the rhythms of free choice to flow, playing with the infinite spectrum of possibilities, each individualized portion channeled the love light into what you might call intelligent energy, thus creating the so-called natural laws of any particular universe. I almost wonder if they're using galaxy and universe interchangeably here. Yeah. Yeah, this seems like the 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 universe itself is a is a consciousness by itself and its own 
its own drive to to explore is what causes its own unfoldment. Yeah, I yeah. If it's infinite, then I mean there there there's infinite universes with infinite galaxies. I mean, he they he could be just using them interchangeably because you know it, it, he's just essentially saying a subset of a subset of a subset of a subset you know and then this subset has these two subsets and this subset having these two subsets you know like the the doubling effect like we were talking about before you know at, at some point galaxy and universe become interchangeable if you think of them infinitely like that yeah they're all going to function the same yeah Each universe in turn individualized to focus to a focus. Each universe in turn individualized to a focus, becoming in turn a co-creator and allowing further diversity, thus creating further intelligent energies, regularizing or causing natural laws to appear in the vibrational vibrational patterns of what you would call a solar system. Thus, each solar system has its own, shall we say, local coordinate system of illusory natural laws. It shall be understood that any portion, no matter how small, of any density or illusory pattern contains, as in a holographic picture, the one in, the one creator, which is infinity. Thus, all begins and ends in mystery. And that, that just seems like a slap in the face. Because <laughs> he's like, you know, all of the natural laws that appear in your vibrational pattern uh, are illusory. But because you're at that level you have to play by him and i'm like man really come on <laughs> but i mean it makes sense if the whole point of existence is the experience you know what's the point in having the same unlimited infinite experience over and over again the whole point is to have these you know i don't want to say restricted or regulated but like you know again with the with the bumper bowling analogy you know put put the bumpers out on the bowling alley so that you can definitely hit the pins as opposed to you know having a strike every once and again because you gave everybody too much free will and now they're flying around their planet and there's no consequences i see it as sort of like russian nesting dolls and, yeah and i think that that kind of helps me understand the layered approach to consciousness that's sort of creating the next level, which then creates the next level and so yep. forth. But within all of them, of course, is the one creator and that infinite uh, principle itself. Um, so always present in every every part of the uh, the illusion. So the illusion is for the experience, but ultimately the experience itself is getting assimilated back to the Godhead via this... this um, holographic projection the, the nesting dolls is a beautiful way to put it because it's it's like the larger nesting doll is let's make a universe with a planet that revolves around the sun and then the smaller nesting doll would be okay so now that we have a uh, a, a planet revolving around the sun what can we do on that planet and then the smaller nesting doll would be you know and, and on and on and on but all of the uh -huh. nesting dolls are made out of the same material which would be that intelligent infinity 
Yeah, I think it's in reverse, actually. I think each time you go into a bigger nesting doll, you're adding the next layer of granularity. So the the farther and farther out you go from that um, that center, that center um, part of the uh, the nested dolls there, the one creator is is you're getting into more granular and granular layers of of the creation and the illusion. So ultimately, yeah. the one that's here on this planet is sort of like the the outermost. And then who knows? Like maybe the creation of artificial intelligence or good artificial intelligence or you know what what's the next layer of of creation that comes after that that we're just building another layer of illusion on top of it and i think by some uh traditions and lines of thinking not that we need to dive in here but um, we might be a little bit overcommitted to to that here on this planet i think it's a it's um you know call it whatever you want to call it but it's it's a big system of if this then question mark you know and then once you fill in the question mark you have if this then that if that then question mark you know what i mean like it's just this constant building of experience mm -hmm. we could try moving on now um there's so many things like I think we would be so cool if we could jump to um might, might as well go in order of these um further discussions of this subject um but man oh man i'm so like i i get so curious about you know how how much is our sun affecting us what what are these natural laws that that are in place that are unique to our sun and well, are those metaphysical laws or are those physical laws as well just speaking to the to the physical laws i don't know if you guys felt it but um probably for the hour or or more leading up to the call the uh there were there was like high um solar the, the solar winds were more energetic and, and things were there and I could feel it in my, in my being. So, I mean, purely on the physical level, um, just, just from the ions and the, and the elements that the sun spits out, if you pay attention to it, you'll feel it. And it, and it manifests in you. Like if, if it, it manifests in different people, the more people I talk about it, bring this to their awareness. And, and we talk about it, like some people it manifests as, um, like uh um like panic some people it manifests as frustration but you you can totally feel the sun and and that um actually ben davidson just changed his app but you used to be able to look at real-time projections of what the solar winds are doing and then if you felt like anxious at a certain point of the day for no reason whatsoever and you looked at the solar winds and you'd be like oh the density's up and the speed's up you know like the sun is really pushing some energy towards us yeah there's definitely other apps that still do that and i think that might be why ben davidson changed his app is because other apps were doing it better it was too hard for him to maintain but here we okay. here we have a video of what the sun just did a day ago yeah and this is crazy because now we have that one that happened a day ago and then um there was one that was just about to hit us from the day before that so they're kind of like snow plowing onto each other and building up yeah um while we're 
on this subject, I would like to say that it's come into my awareness twice in the last week again. I should say it's it's come up before, but this uh, idea of sun gazing um, during the golden hour. I don't know if uh, you yep. guys are. Yep, uh, I tried that. I had benefits with my eyesight getting better. And very uh, cool. Um, it's also I'm uh, understanding um, helpful to activate the pineal and third eye. So I did that for the first time actually this morning. I'd been meaning to do it recently. It'd been extra cold. Um, but this morning I was able to peek out um, wherever I saw it most recently. I recommend starting with 10 seconds or so. But I got to thinking about this this light that's coming from the sun as it's crossing so much of the of the earth uh, atmosphere. And, and the earth itself is now a, a sephiroth in a way, refracting the light from the sun. And um, we're getting a, a combination of the two. It's sort of like mother and father energy uh, coming in. Um, so yeah, that was pretty awesome. That is definitely a big subject, the sun gazing for maybe another time. Sure. Um, yeah, there's a lot there. And and that, that might relate to prana also. I've wondered, you know, there are different kinds of energy systems um, that the law of one talks about. But being able to stare directly at the sun, you know, during that golden hour. And, you know, this also occurred to me, I was thinking about it this morning, that we have these really beautiful sun rises here where we're at in the front range in Colorado, because we've got just the eastern plains to our east. Whereas our sun sets, uh, I tried to catch this, you know, the other day, and it's like, you're looking at the sun right over the mountains, and it's at a much higher uh it's at a much higher trajectory. And so you're not getting as much of that refraction. And, and it's just frankly a lot brighter. And so it occurred to me, well, are people on the coast, like in California, for example, that have these, you know, amazing sunsets, are these are these people naturally getting a whole lot more of the sun gazing going in because they're all watching the most beautiful sunset, um, you know, when you have that in the West and perhaps um, that's why. And likewise in the East where you have these amazing sunrises over the Pacific, um, maybe these are, are why we tend to get um, a little bit more metaphysically active and spiritually connected civilizations where they've got more access to sun gazing, frankly. That's a good question. I, I can speak for my uh, own personal experience. When I worked in Atlantic City, um, I mean, if we had a good night, sometimes we wouldn't we wouldn't close the bar down until like four or five in the morning, you know, by the time you do all the closing work and get out of there, the sun's coming up. And I got into a habit of, um, I guess I can admit it now because it's legal now, but I got into a habit of get, gathering a bunch of my friends that worked in different bars and we would park on the rooftop of this one garage and sit on the hoods of our cars and smoke a J and pass the J around. And sometimes if we missed the sunrise, we would go to a friend's house and smoke a J in the house. And so just saying that to rule out the fact that it had anything to do with the marijuana, but when we would sit on the hoods of the cars and stare at the sunrise and be there with the sunrise as it came up, we couldn't go to bed afterwards. We were just, it, it felt like it was energizing. Like it, it was truly recharging you at, a, at like an atomic level. Yeah, it's mysterious. And the eyes, the eyeballs are mysterious too. the <laughs> windows to the soul. <laughs> well, and they said uh, that everything tended towards the lenticular and that is the uh, your eyes lens is lenticular. 
And I mean, really, because like lenticular is like this, right? So it's like the thing that holograms are made out of. So if you look at if you look at it from this angle, you're going to see what's on this side. But if you move across and then you're looking at it from this angle, you're going to see what's on this side. That's how a hologram can show you different things from different areas that you look at it. And then you think about how the atmosphere, if you only took half of it, the sun is pointing at this half of it. That's half of a, like a lenticular, you know? So like you have the atmosphere and the earth. It's just these ever expanding, you know, like sines, cosines, like half circles. Let me share my screen again here. We can, we can um, try to get back into the, the subject of uh so, so we were discussing the subject of the sun being um, essentially a variety of focus of, of of free will principles that would relate to natural laws. And um, we can go back into some of the definitions with some of these other clarification questions uh, Don was asking. So in session 27, so, we, so we jumped ahead from session 13 to session 27. And then Don is finally getting back around to some of this. He said, I would like for you to define love in the sense, in its sense as the second distortion. And Ross says, this must be defined against the background of intelligent infinity or unity or the one creator with, with the primal distortion of free will. It's kind of like everything we were describing before. Mm-hmm. The term love then may be seen as the focus, the choice of attack, the type of energy of an extremely, shall we say, high order, which causes intelligent energy to be formed from the potential of intelligent infinity in just such and such a way. This then may be seen to be an object rather than an activity by some of your peoples. And the principle of this extremely strong energy focus being worshipped as the creator instead of unity or oneness from which all loves emanate all loves pluralized so this does kind of go back to what i was saying earlier about where they mentioned randomized creative uh forces and i was like well is that you know synonymous with creative principle of love and this is sort of suggesting that there's uh, a plurality of of different types of loves capital l as distortion not just love as vibration yeah the love the loves are the different focuses, the different choices of attack. <laughs> Which I love their, their choice of words there, the choice of attack. Kill them with kindness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's literally like every single being, every, you know, the the logos, the sublogos, and us as the sub sublogos, we each represent a, a, an aspect of that love. And, and our incarnation is a choice of focus of the infinite creator. Yeah, so that love is what I keep thinking of as that light that comes in through the top of, of the tree. I mean, it's effectively the animating principle of all of our universe and reality. And, and it is us. We are love. Like, we are powered by love. And then as refracted through the prism of, you know, this particular universe and the, you know, the layers of of um distortions that the various logos um put in place and then moving on 
The next question was, is there a manifestation of love that we would call vibration? And Ross said, we reach semantic difficulties. The vibration or density of love or understanding. So so they're 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 talking about the fourth density here. The vibration or density of love or understanding is not a term used in the same sense as the second distortion, love, with capital L. So um, you know, the people who wrote this down chose to use lowercase l and uppercase L. The distortion uppercase L love being the great activator and primal co-creator of various creations using intelligent infinity. This is what we've been talking about the, with the logos. The vibration love, lowercase l, being that density in which those who have learned to do an activity called, quote, loving without significant distortion, then seek the ways of light or wisdom. So they're describing the fourth density that they've described in many other points here. Thus, in vibratory sense, love comes into light in the sense of the activity of unity in its free will. Love uses light and has the power to direct light in its distortions. Thus, vibratory complexes recapitulate in reverse the creation in its unity, thus showing the rhythm or flow of the great heartbeat, if you will use this analogy. Yeah, so I see that as the, the internal um, Russian nesting doll at the very center that love continually expressing itself. So even though each layer becomes a new nested doll, it still looks the same as the one internally. And so that's, I had to read this a few times, but then I actually really liked this word for um, recapitulation um, to have it show that as above, so below almost. This is kind of a correspondence really. Let me, let me get the dictionary on that one. Recapitulate is summarize and state again the main points of And in biology, it's to repeat an evolutionary or other process during development and growth. Yeah, which I think it's slightly closer to to that one, but but it is still to produce that which which is already present to synthesize in a way that which is already essential, and that's what I think we're seeing here is that love is essential and loving is the the recapitulation or the expression of um, that love as principle after being refracted through the prism of any particular universal um, set of distortions yeah i really love how many times like that Ra Ra will use words that have multiple meanings and because they like all the meanings they use <laughs> all the meanings <laughs> So the meaning that this is summarizing the main points of the creation and its unity in reverse through loving one another, coming back into the oneness of creation as the reverse of the creator, the infinite principle of loving and creating the universes, which is the, which is the heartbeat. All right. So the next one I wanted to cover was session 28, number uh, question two. And this was a discussion, uh, a continuation of something in 27, session 27. You had said yesterday that the nature of the vibratory patterns 
of your universe is dependent upon the configurations placed on the original material or light by the focus of love using its intelligent energy to create a certain pattern of illusions or densities. Then after this material is said, there's further information which you'd be happy to share, but we ran out of time. And so Ra says, I wonder if I should go into that one at all, but I think I think I wanted to cover something specific here. Um, Ross said, in discussing this information here, we shall snap back into the particular methods of understanding. This is what they're going to talk about. The particular methods of understanding or seeing that which is the one, um, that, that which Dewey Larson, person who is a physicist, um, who talked about the reciprocal nature of space and time. What, what Dewey offers, this being the correct for the second meaning of intelligent infinity, the potential which can then through catalyst form the kinetic through catalyst forms the kinetic so we're talking about intelligent energy intelligent infinity being the potential in the kinetic this information is a natural progression of inspection of the kinetic shape of your environment you may understand each color or ray as being as we have said a very specific and accurate a portion of intelligent energy's representation of intelligent infinity each ray having been previously inspected in other regards. Yeah, to me, that is all literally the light trickling down the tree of life. So, you know, at each phase, just getting filtered into something slightly different. Yeah. Because it's specific and accurate a portion. So, like, each of those, those sephirah in each universe, so again, tree of life shaped in infinitely different ways but each of the sephirah being tuned to a very specific um band of of light effectively yeah i guess we could call these patterns these are the patterns of light which are the colors yeah um and then they wanted to bring up a different point this information be of aid here maybe of aid we speak now non-specifically to increase the depth of your conceptualization of the nature of what is. The universe in which you live is recapitulation in each part of intelligent infinity. Thus, you will see the same patterns repeated in physical and, and metaphysical areas. Um, the rays or portions of light being, as you surmise, those areas of what you may call the physical illusion which rotate, vibrate, or are of a nature that may be, shall we say, counted or categorized in rotation manner in space-time, as described by the one known as Dewey Larson. Some substances having various of the rays in a physical manifestation visible to the eye, this being apparent in the nature of your crystallized minerals, which you count as precious, the ruby being red, and so forth. So they go all the way down to the fact that we have stones which have certain... Um, colors and certain metaphysical properties. Yeah, and can you read the um, the footnote just below that too with the portion? Okay. So they're theorizing raw means a portion is to divide and assign according to a plan. Raw uses, uses a portion as a noun, possibly meaning a carefully allotted segment. Yeah, yeah, that's... That's what that that seems like is is that each logos builds a a new 
prism a new system of filtering the light to create some new um new uh, perspective yeah. right i forget why i picked this one but we can move on to the next one here that i thought might be appropriate oh gosh this 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 one drives me nuts a little <laughs> um in session 29 they they talked about crystals is it possible for you to tell me how a crystal is used by an entity who had satisfactorily achieved necessary violet ray qualification i will say how it is possible for the entity to use the crystal or how he should he should use a crystal and they're talking about using a crystal to access intelligent affinity in order to create out of that that infinite potential the gateway to intelligent infinity is born of shall we say the sympathetic vibration and balanced state accompanying the will to serve the will to seek so the word sympathetic here needed a footnote that they didn't put in <laughs> <laughs> that's something to email toby about um but oh, there... i think i read this i i think i misread the commas here um because i read this one a number of times too the sympathetic vibration and balanced state accompanying the will to serve the will to seek so are we saying that the will to seek is in balanced state accompanying the will to serve or are they saying that the will to serve and the will to seek are are transposable in this case my understanding was that they're they're transposable they're the same concept expressed differently because the will to seek mm. to serve is kind of as how I'm seeing it. Service is seeking because seeking is creation effectively. And yeah. by putting our focused awareness, we are creating and therefore we are serving. Yeah. Okay. Well, what was the other way you were looking at it? Well, um, sympathetic vibration in balance state accompanying. This is one where we need, we need Nick's highlighter. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, the will yeah it's almost like sympathetic vibration in balance state accompanying the will to serve the will to seek meaning um the will to seek is the sympathetic vibration in balance state accompanying the will to serve so i know that's that's probably a bit um of a stretch but uh and and i and i think that your characterization is is more accurate that's what i had originally read but in this case um, it's just, it's almost a little bit arcane sometimes how they can throw something, you know, at the end, uh, after a comma or something. And that's really the sort of should have been the subject rather than the predicate. If I'm not mixing my metaphors. Well, the whole, the whole topic is about how do you use crystals? And he was saying that, you know, certain crystals manifest as red, certain crystals manifest as green everything is vibration i think that's why they say that all of the physical world is vibration and i think that's why they say that light is so key to understanding the physical world because within light you have the possibility like the pink floyd album where you split the light through the prism of having any color of light just dependent on the vibration that you're looking at you know blue being a tighter wavelength than red but they're all within light and so when I read it, I read the gateway to intelligent infinity is born of the sympathetic vibration, meaning 
the person working with the crystal puts themselves in the sympathetic vibration of the crystal. So they'll put themselves in a green ray vibration while working with what Jade, right? Jade's green. And then use sympathetic vibration of green while holding the Jade to help heal with that accompanied with a will to serve and seek because they have a will to serve the person that came to them for whatever healing, you know, heal me with Jade. Okay. So now let me put myself in the mindset and vibration of Jade. And then now that I'm in the mindset of Jade and I'm holding the Jade and you want your knee healed, you know, if I do these things and then I'm seeking to serve, you know, so that's why they say the sympathetic vibration in balanced state accompanying the will to serve and seek. That's how I read it. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much throwing the entire notion of crystals out, and and that's not fair, really, because yeah, because the, the question I understand that it's in the question. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's right there, and then raw, like all like without any context, um, which is a little bit unusual here, given that he asked a very specific question: How do you use a crystal? And and there was not um, a very direct answer to what he was asking, though perhaps a really important bit of information in there. And I'm, I'm still on the fence, actually. I'm actually still thinking that the will to serve and the will to seek themselves might need to be in sympathetic and balanced vibration because the will to seek is that which creates that vortex that's going to draw in the light. So to me, that feels like a gateway to intelligent infinity. And then the will to serve is to use that light. Yeah. So it what, seems what, like if you want to use that life to serve, then then that might be what you're opening up. So I want to bring up uh, a potential rabbit hole here, but I, I feel like the easiest way of interpreting this for me is that the sympathetic vibration is referring to an open heart, and and that's the green ray. And the green ray has to be opened, but then it also has to be energized. And the will is the energizer. As you have a greater will to serve and seek, then you're energizing the heart. And now you can actually use that that energy to do the healing exercises they talked about elsewhere that helping others to to become more, I guess, in, in, an, in an energetic environment where they can choose to receive healing. Um, but 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 maybe, um, <laughs> but the but the rabbit hole I wanted to go down briefly. The, the next question was about specifically what could you do with a crystal. Um, but before we get to that, I wanted to bring up the idea that. Um, the word sympathetic can can mean feeling and expressing sympathy, and it can mean um, attracting um, the liking of others. It can mean it can mean uh, the the part of the autonomic nervous system consisting of nerves arising from ganglia near the middle part of the spinal cord, which is interesting. The spinal cord is the connected to the chakra system. Um, Supplying the internal organs, blood vessels, and glands, and balancing the action of the parasympathetic nerves. But the sympathetic nervous system is considered one of the three divisions of the autonomic nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system is a system that acts largely unconsciously and regulates bodily functions, such as the heart rate, its force of contraction. So the heart, the heart and the way in which it's it's contracting. Um, and beating is is controlled by this system, which blows my mind that that they're calling it um, 
that the sim- sim- sympath- sympathetic, this word sympathetic has this meaning of the unconscious control of the heart and this meaning of activating love. It's like, who named this? <laughs> but I, I don't I don't know if that's what Ra is talking about when they choose to, work, choose to use the word sympathetic and vibration. Wikipedia didn't exist when Ra was choosing. <laughs> yeah. So outside of space and time, uh, perhaps it did. Yeah. The Akashic Files? Akashic Files? Yeah. Well, one of the big things that he doesn't talk about here is, he says, how is it possible for the entity to use the crystal or how should we use the crystal? But he doesn't ask, what is the crystal? Why can we use these? What is it about a crystal that allows us to use it? I think that's the big thing that we're missing there is, that's definitely discussed at a different point. Um, I could pull up that quote actually. Um, I do get into, into, um, I think it's a lot about coherence. I'm guessing, um, within the crystal itself and i remember them talking about uh how uh, a crystal um was it robert something else where they were basically talking about how a crystal is like a, a bridge between the first density and the second density like it yeah. can have density qualities because it's coherent as opposed to a regular rock which is somewhat chaotic kind of going back to the randomized uh input uh, a crystal is sort of the, your first representation outside of first density, really, where you start to have coherence, where you've got different aspects of physical material that um, are in alignment, which then creates almost that focused awareness in a way that's sort of the going from the everything down to the the one thing. So they they were talking about healing uh i believe healing carla in session 57 um and they mentioned that there was a crystal available for healing work and uh and then they they said there's a crystal upon her hand she must be wearing a diamond or something um and then and then they said how do we use this crystal for healing and so they get into they get into it in a different way here that seems more complete in a much, I think this was, um, yeah, we were talking about session 29. And if you jump ahead at session 57, the answer how to use crystals for healing in a, in a more expanded way here. You first, as a mind-body-spirit complex, balance and polarize the self, connecting the inner light with the upward spiraling inpourings of the universal light. So this is referring to the kundalini. You have done exercises to regularize the processes involved. Look to them for the preparation of the crystallized being. So first, you get your yourself ready um, with balance and polarization. Polarization referring to be becoming more energized and desiring to be of service to others, which I think is that sympathetic vibration. Right. Um, take then the crystal and feel your polarized and potentiated balanced energy channeled in green ray healing through your being, going into and activating the crystalline regularity of frozen light, which is the crystal. So right there, that's your definition. (laughs) Yeah, frozen light. (laughs) And if we go back to the beginning of the conversation, what is light? Light is everything. Yeah. Yeah. So crystals are like a purified representation of light frozen into uh, a regular pattern 
being a straight line, by the way, um, yeah. they said light earlier that that's one of its yeah. characteristics is the straight line. And I think that's maybe where I was drawing on the idea of coherence in a crystal because it isn't that the the regularized structure that they're referring to is that everything goes in the same direction. Yeah. Yeah, crystals have points to them, and that's what partly makes them useful because you're channeling that energy along the points. Yeah. The crystal will resound with the charged light of incarnative love and light energy and will begin to radiate in specified fashion, beaming and required light vibrations, healing energy, focused and intensified towards the magnetic field of the mind-body-spirit complex, which is to be healed. So it sounds like you're literally charging the crystal and the crystal is radiating itself beaming out energy yeah like so um forming the light the frozen light it's it seems like like if you take two tuning forks and the tuning forks are the same frequency if you bong this tuning fork this one will start to vibrate because of the you know the, them being at the same frequency you're inducing one frequency into the other tuning fork and the crystal is inducing that healing frequency into the person being healed Hmm. then they they say this entity requesting such healing will then open the armor of the overall violet red ray protective vibratory shield so this so the person who wants to be healed has to do something they have to open the armor that is around their energy field open the armor of the overall violet which is the outer shell of the way that were viewed by higher beings, I guess, with the violet, the violet ray, the crown chakra is sort of like the the some sum, some summary or summation of all the other energy patterns. They say slash red ray, violet red ray, protective vibratory shield. So I guess it's like the outer and the inner poles of the of the energy field have to be opened up. And this is what they say also the pyramid kind of does. The pyramid, the Great Pyramid of Giza was intersecting this vibratory shield that's right i remember that thus the inner vibratory fields from center to center and mind body and spirit may be interrupted and adjusted momentarily thus offering the one to be healed the opportunity to choose a less distorted inner complex of energy fields and vibratory relationships wow. and then this is that is just screaming you choose your reality to me you know like if you don't if you take someone that doesn't believe in crystal healing to a crystal healer it's not going to work because they're not opening up the violet and red ray and then even if you do take someone that believes in it to the healer it says that it is interrupting and adjusting momentarily thus offering the one to be healed the opportunity to choose you know like you have to go in willing, and then once you're shown a harmonious state, you then have to choose that harmonious state to continue on with. Yeah. That's kind of like the, um, I believe it's the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book where they talk about having a poor person's mentality, you know, and the the secret where they talk about having a vision board and all that. Like, it, it is all in that. Like, you have to choose. You have to 
mentally choose before you can physically receive, whether it be the healing or love yeah. or just joy because in life. That's, that's the, the free will. I mean, that's yeah. literally the, the constant unfoldment in this ever-present moment of infinite potentiality. If you're not exercising the free will, then then you're you're not moving and we we certainly see that manifest itself in in physical reality as well i mean at a at an individuated level anyway i would say it's even worse than you're not moving i would say that if you're not if you're not using your free will then you're being affected by the will of everything and everyone around you you know you're driving down the road if you're not uh using free will in a, an extremely crude example and you're just seeing billboards pass by you're being affected by the billboards unless you choose not to be you know like th there's so many things that can affect us in so many different ways unless you actively keep yourself in that mindset then you're going to be swayed by the world around you and like you said the nesting dolls like you know as you get bigger and bigger and bigger then one of the nesting dolls is well we can affect each individual person from outside of their being if they choose not to be in control of their being you know and then the the nesting doll on top of that is well let's try and mess with them from the outside in and see if they choose free will yeah i like messing with people from the inside out actually and i'm more like trying to to uh attract that that innermost part of the uh the nesting dolls that really wants to be uh known in manifestation. And, and I, I think I can speak for you here uh, when you say mess with from the inside out, inspire love from the inside out. Right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All distortions. <laughs> yeah. So I think one other thing I wanted to go into here was what they, when they, when, when Don followed up here and uh, they followed up the question about the sympathetic vibration Accompanying the will to serve the will to seek, and Don asked for more specifics. What would the entity do with the crystal to use it for the purpose of seeking the intelligent infinity? And Ross said, The use of the crystal in physical manifestation is that use wherein the entity of crystalline nature charges the regularized physical crystal with this seeking, thus enabling it to vibrate harmonically and also become the catalyst or gateway whereby intelligent infinity may thus become intelligent energy, this crystal serving as an analog of the violet ray of mind, body, spirit in relatively undistorted form. So that's kind of a simpler way of saying it with different words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And they didn't say mind, body, spirit complex. So that this crystal serving as an analog of the violet ray of mind, body, spirit. So that would be the energy of the planet correct because we we are the mind body spirit complexes or no the mind body spirit would be before free will well it could be that they made a mistake in not mentioning complex i feel like that was clarified at other points too um i think don even asked a few times did you mean to say complex and they correct themselves but oh, I, I definitely remember that in other ones yeah but maybe you, you are right because the um, when they're saying undistorted form, that's not a complex. That's simple. That's the simple, right. pure, pure form of the mind, body, spirit, energy that you're in, in, inserting in that moment, in that instance, when when you 
I, I guess, especially if we're talking about intelligent affinity, you're talking about like a purified, undistorted energy, which doesn't have a, the complex nature. It has the purified nature. And the, the complex is the veil. So it would be yeah. you're getting the energy before through the veil. It was veiled. Yeah. Hmm. Which would which would that's what I talk about. This is like, to access intelligence. This is the gateway to intelligent infinity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is this is the kind of stuff that like after I saw that documentary and I started rereading these passages, I was like, he he is leaving. It certain words are being left out and. It, I, there's there's a meaning like he's 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 speaking to you by not speaking that word to you right yeah so it's interesting that you know the, the they're drawing they're drawing a connection between the 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 purified energy of the one to be healed the one who's the healer and the crystal itself all, all kind of share in this mind body spirit energy that is the, the conscious choice. I think. So let's uh, let's move on to a different use of the concept of intelligent infinity. Um, we've got maybe twenty minutes left, um, and we can get more into what people are saying in the chat also soon. How do I see the chat? There's a, there's a button thing. at the bottom. Well, actually, if you're looking at the green chair, I'm not sure if it's still the bottom. It might be. Oh, um, here we go. Oh, man, it takes up the whole screen. <laughs> I can't move it. You, you should be able to use a minimize button on it or uh, reduce the size button. Oh, I'm man. Talking this about is my... everyone's yeah. favorite technology fan here. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying. Yeah. This is like watching a monkey learn how to use tools. Um, I've uh, I've been responding here and there as well. Um, so, oh, man. So people are actually talking specifically, too. I apologize if I didn't respond to anybody's questions. <laughs> I know nothing of the tech. <laughs> we can uh, we can move on uh, to get to some of the others first here. Uh, session 34. Um, referred to, you stated in an earlier time that penetration of the eighth level, the crown chakra, or intelligent infinity level, intelligent infinity level, allows the mind-body-spirit complex to be harvested if it wishes at any time space during the cycle. And harvest is a whole other subject we have to get to another time, but um, this is basically saying that the being who reaches this state can can basically transcend their body if they want to. When this penetration of the eighth level occurs, what does the entity who penetrates this experience? Can you tell me this? And Ross says the experience of each entity is unique in perception of intelligent infinity. Perceptions range from a limitless joy to a strong dedication of service to others while in the incarnated state. The entity which radiates, which reaches intelligent infinity most often will perceive this experience as one of unspeakable profundity. However, it is not usual for the entity to immediately desire the cessation of the incarnation. Rather, the desire to communicate or use this experience to aid others is, is extremely strong. Yeah, this kind of reminds me of the previous passage where we were talking about the sympathetic 
vibration and balancing the will to serve and the will to seek. So it would it would sort of stand to reason that if you access the gateway to intelligent infinity via um, at least in part an activated sense of will to serve, then once it's open, you're that's still likely going to be um, fundamental to your your being at that point. Yeah. Although they say it's not usual. So it's not saying that it's not possible. If you uh, read, um, or actually, they actually did a documentary on it at this point, the autobiography of a yogi, of a yogi, um, he, he had it. He knew the day he was going to die. He said, like, almost from the beginning of people following, I'm going to, I'm going to pass on at, at this day on this time. And he knew it. And he, he was conscious of, um, everything from in the womb to the, to the day he decided to, to pass on. And it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, did he, did, he decided to pass on and then came back because everybody wasn't ready to let him go. So he was like, all right, I'll give you another, like, however many months or, you know, however long it was, but he, he physically passed on and then came back. And the, the ancient Rishis also talk about um, people sitting in a state of samadhi or of samadhi of sumadhi for centuries you know and then reanimating themselves so i mean it's not an unheard of thing especially in the uh the ayurvedic and the yogic um traditions oh yeah and and re reappearing um yeah which is sort of the, the second half of this because not only can you decide to check out but you can also you know, re-manifest anytime you want. Yeah. Um, um, just to answer um, Todd real quick, um, it's a great question on um, about duality or not. And, and I think going back to the previous passage where they, um, they mentioned the manyness, that to me seems more foundational or or primordial i guess would be the the best way so my my take on that is that therefore necessarily all universes um are based in the sense of duality because that the the creator's original choice to experience um finity and they kind of make that synonymous with manyness i think and so it's sort of both if you're going to be finite well then now you're going to be infinite in your potentials for what finite might be and so that to me seems that it's more fundamental and i would say yes i would imagine that the raw materials would largely be applicable with the right scrutiny and and adjusting for things that that they put in specifically to answer questions about our universe and so sometimes that can be a little tricky but yeah yeah the, yeah the question was about if if this material applies to other universes uh, who operate within duality and there's one session where ra talks about um that you know the the expression of the archetypes are different in different galaxies and they also described one point that there have been wanderers of ra stoles that go to other galaxies to experience incarnation in these other very other environments and it's it's almost like they they it's too different to for them to easily operate in that environment. It's like there's a whole different set of um, patterns that are hard to wrap your head around. Um, yeah, because you're taking that that oversoul that you know the 
the upper part, if you will, of the tree of life. And then you're, you're kind of lopping off the bottom of it and, and attaching or plugging in, you know, a different version of it that is more specific to a particular uh, galactic logos, for example. So yeah, I can see why that would, that would feel a little discombobulating because you've got the higher self, you've got the, the true self, the monad at that center nesting doll. And then you might have the, the oversoul and these higher archetypal um, aspects of consciousness. And then you get down into thoughts and feelings and then certainly into physical matter and how that manifests. And that's just, that's going to be very, uh, very different. Yeah. So uh, when you were saying that, I was thinking of the nesting doll example, where if you had a universe that was building the nesting doll out and they were essentially circles, you couldn't take the 15th nesting doll and put it within the 16th nesting doll of a square nesting doll, you know, like it just wouldn't fit. Right. So it's, it might be it's really almost, challenging. <laughs> yeah. If it's you're, almost if you're like in if you, one that's close enough, I think if you if you go to a galaxy that's, you know, only modified a little bit from where you're at, then it might be backwards compatible. <laughs> or if you went from the 15th nesting doll in the circle to and implemented it in like the 10th of the square it would fit you know so like once you get to a certain set of conditions the raw material would be applicable but if the conditions stray too much from what we're experiencing then it might not be applicable so maybe duality is like the precursor to the raw material being applicable well i think it kind of is because the the entire law of one is about the realization that duality is an illusion and so that's kind of interesting that really the pursuit of the light and the law of one is to ultimately realize that, that the truth is non-dual. Let's, uh, let's do one more here. That's uh, a pretty big one. Um, actually, I had, I had two more here that I was thinking about. The other one was 80.21. Um this was yeah. the one I was mentioning, by the way, um, but you'll get to it here in a minute, but the one that was a little bit more correspondence with energy. Okay, so yeah, this, this is a big um, question here. The question was, um, could you please expand upon the concept of space-time and time-space, which is the physical and metaphysical aspects of our reality, and how to get past this, the concept of these things, and at what density level do these concepts no longer affect the individual? Before you read the answer, if I could, Mike, and yep. I know that this is highly unusual, but the, very important here that um, because this is sort of complex as we go through it, they do end, I believe, this whole session was saying none of this really matters for the person right. that's doing um, the oneness. So, um, but it's it's useful to understand from within the fishbowl, I suppose. But um, okay, so go ahead. Anyway, I just wanted to preface that as we're as we're trying to to assimilate this information that yeah yeah they said far less useful i think the time understanding time space is less useful than seeking the heart of self or something like that yeah. i can't remember what it was but um but right now what i what i'm wanting to get at is uh the different ways in which they're talking about intelligent infinity and accessing intelligent infinity and um they keep attacking it or they keep going at it from different um different kind of angles as as it just, it just just keeps coming up in the, in these conversations that Don was having. Um, so Ra said, yeah, this will be the last question. 
And they said the space-time and time-space concepts are those concepts describing as mathematically as possible the relationships of your illusion, that which is seen to that which is unseen. The, these descriptive terms are clumsy. However, they suffice for this work. And this also, I think, is partly what they mean by the creation of dimensions, that space and time are like the different dimensions, space-time and time-space. This is another good example, though, of, of them being um, almost a little bit too too transparent, I guess. These descriptive terms are clumsy, and I'm like, okay, cool. So forget half of what I just read. However, they suffice. And I'm like, well, okay, never mind. Go back and accept them on their on their surface, I guess. Yeah, it's funny. Um, in the experiences of the mystical search for unity, these need never be considered, for they are but part of an illusory system. The seeker seeks the one. This one is to be sought, as we have said, by the balanced and self-accepting self, aware both of its apparent distortions and its total perfection. Resting in this balanced awareness, the entity then opens the self to the universe which it is. The light energy of all things may then be attracted by this intense seeking, and wherever the inner seeking meets the attracted cosmic prana, realization of the one takes place. And this this, this is also, oh, they go on to the energy center, yeah, right after this. So, yeah, the Again, they're talking about the upward and downward light um, of the energy center systems, which they call the chakra system. So the purpose of clearing each energy center or chakra is to allow the meeting place to occur at the indigo ray vibration, the, the pineal gland, um, third eye, thus making contact with intelligent infinity and dissolving all illusions. Service to others is automatic at the released energy generated by this state of consciousness. So maybe in a future session, we can talk about the clearing of each energy center and the nature of each color and its different influence. Um, yeah, that there's, I mean, there's, there's so much to unpack there, but it, it all, it honestly seems like, you know, the goal is to get back to a place where intelligent infinity dissolves all illusions and service to self as a, a service to others is automatic, right? And the whole point of the different nesting dolls is to see what what can make service to other selves not automatic and to have those experiences. Right. It's like we've separated our will from the, the will of one infant creator to be of service. Yeah, and to see if you were infinite good and and you knew infinite good and infinite love, you know, or infiniteness, your search through finiteness would be the opposite, would be, you know, all right, well, what what would draw you away from infinite love, you know? And how far could you get from infinite love before you realized again that you were infinite love? Maybe I should reread this other part here. Um, 
Yeah, there's there's other quotes where they talked about the importance of balance and self acceptance, and and of course this relates also when they say the disciplines of the personality are knowing the self, accepting the self, then becoming the creator. This is like the third step of becoming the creator here that they're talking about, resting in this balanced awareness, which is fully self accepting. The entity then opens the self to the universe, which it is, which is at the the indigo ray vibration, the third eye center. The light energy of all things may then be attracted by this intense seeking. And wherever the inner seeking meets the attracted cosmic prana, realization of the one takes place. So this is the um, the meeting place they're talking about. When the inner seeking meets the attracted cosmic prana. What is... what? Um... What is the attracted cosmic prana in this context? When is it attracted? What is it attracted to? Maybe I should search for the phrase uh, meeting place also, and we'll see the other descriptions of it. Would it be, the, the, would like the meeting place be the, your intelligent infinity is importing into you? And it's where your seeking level and the inpouring meet, kind of. Yeah. And everyone is attracting it at all times. It's just a matter of how much are you attracting it and in which ways. Does that make sense? Right. Uh, well, let me let me let me read another one here. Um, as in, so let's see. The most important concept to grasp about the energy field is that the lower or negative pole will draw the universal energy into itself from the cosmos. So I believe this is talking about, um, you know, the red, the red ray energy is the attracted cosmic prana um, of, of the being. So this, this attracted cosmic prana, this universal energy, Therefrom, it will move upward to be met and reacted to by the positive spiraling energy moving downward from within. The measure of an entity's level of ray activity, the, green, the chakra activity, is the locus wherein the south pole energy has been met by the inner spiraling positive energy. As an entity grows more polarized, this locus will move upwards. This phenomenon has been called by your peoples the kundalini. However, it may be thought of as the meeting place of cosmic and inner, shall we say, vibratory understanding to attempt to raise the locus of this meeting without realizing the metaphysical principles of magnetism upon which this depends is to invite great imbalance can you scroll up a little bit mike yeah so no, then, no, the other way my bad can you can you move the screen up so i can see yeah there we go and they they define kundalini here as a sanskrit term for the coiled divine energy at the base of the spine. Ra defines the awakening, awakening the Kundalini as raising the meaning place of cosmic and inner vibratory understanding. So they don't use the word prana here, but in session um, 57, they they do use the word prana. I believe it was session 57. Yeah, yeah. the attractive yeah. cosmic prana. Oh, so the cosmic prana is attracted by the intense seeking? Am I reading that correctly from the previous clause or previous sentence? 
also 57. So something is attracted. Um, the light energy of all things may then be attracted where and wherever the inner seeking meets the attract. So the, the light energy of all things, I'm kind of reading that to be the cosmic prana, and that's what's attracted to right. the intense seeking. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, this, the seeking corresponds to the energy, I guess. The amount of energy we have is related to the amount of seeking, which is the strength of the will. And and that has been so central to me for many months now, this whole notion of the question of the, the seeking, of the, the creation of the, the vortex into which we want to pull the light. And it's that drive and that will, to your point, that that intensifies that vortex, which is why when we do this in in groups we have a much stronger pull for the same reason because that intensity is just getting multiplied but it's getting multiplied on a on a singular vortex on a singular question on a singular thing that's being sought and it just becomes so much more powerful because you've got more people more consciousness putting their focused will and attention on the need to know right yeah well and also it's like the, the way I, I always look at it is, you know, the inpouring comes from the universe down and then the the seeking comes from you up. And depending where you are coming from, you know, if you're a red ray person, then you're going to get a different meeting place. Intelligent infinity is going to come all the way down to your root chakra and meet at your root chakra. Yet if you're a green ray person, your seeking is going to come all the way up to your heart chakra and intelligent infinity is going to meet you at your heart chakra. Therefore, when we're doing these, uh, whether it be, uh, you know, a mushroom ceremony or a, a zoom call, you're getting that sympathetic vibration where you're hitting the tuning fork and inducing this vibration where if, if I'm coming at it from 50% green ray, and 50% yellow ray because I haven't fully opened my heart chakra. And Mike is at 75% uh, heart chakra. And Andrew, you're at 100% heart chakra. You can almost induce the rest of what I'm lacking in my heart chakra, bringing us all to the heart chakra, and then doing that call together from the heart chakra. I mean, it's... And it's intensified, though. You're, exactly. You're, the idea of the tuning forks is, is really uh, perfect because... With a tuning fork, the secondary fork is not powered by anything other than the vibration of the first. Whereas in consciousness, we we might come into sympathetic vibration via that co-resonance, um, but then the the additional um, power and emphasis is is still put on by the individual wills behind them. So one is to go into co-resonance, and then the other is the amplification by the yeah. will, the the desire to seek itself. And so that's that's why it ends up being so much more powerful because it's like tuning forks that are powered. So, you know, yes, they go into co-resonance, but then each of them is also now contributing, um, you know, the same level of vibration. And so that's just going to just gonna build on itself immensely. And that's yeah. why you, you say that, like, uh, yeah, I just love hanging out with this person. You know, I, everything always seems nice when you're with this person because they're emitting that frequency. And if you're lacking in that frequency a little bit, you know, but you're open to it, then they, they're going to be able to induce the frequency in a greater way to you. And the tuning forks will sound louder because there's two of them ringing. You know, just like you were saying, the intensity is brought up. 
Yeah, amplification. Um, before we sign off real quick, just to um, real quick um, address Todd's last question here, uh, I guess it, I guess too, it would be a question, does fourth density consciousness will eventually sync with fourth dimensional space using the solar flare, uh, solar flash as an example? Um, my understanding of the fourth dimension is, um, is not particularly great, though um, I tend to associate it more with time than I do with space. And then when I think of um, consciousness itself, it seems more like fifth dimensional consciousness is what is kind of pulling us up out of third density and into um, fourth density. So even though these are different, um, you know, more like where your consciousness is versus where it's vibrating, I suppose, or how it's manifesting, um, these are, are two halves of, of maybe not even the same coin when we're talking about dimensions and uh, densities. But um, like Matthias de Stefano talks about the third density being holographically projected from, uh, or sorry, the third dimension being projected from the sixth dimension uh, specifically, which doesn't address densities at all, but does talk about this nested relationship. So I'm quite sure that that didn't help at all. Well, let me let me say that um, the you know if we're talking about time as the fourth dimension, um, it makes sense to cover the last of the rest of uh, the session fifty-seven, uh, question thirty-three that we were talking about. We ended it here. Service to others is automatic at the released energy generated by this state of consciousness. Um, and then to basically get back to the, Don's original question, they say the time space, the space time and time space distinctions, as you understand them, do not hold sway except in third density. However, fourth, fifth, and to some extent sixth work within some system of polarized space, time, and time space. And this also, to me, is about, um, I believe they're saying that the veil is lifted and the veil only applies in um, third density. And to a degree, the veil seems to be a barrier of the mind being more aware of time space. So you're not seeing in the future, you're not seeing that metaphysical, you're not reading the metaphysical energies as much from within. Um, an awareness of space-time because there's kind of a, a blockage to that perception um and and that is what lifts when you when we reach the fourth density of consciousness at least the bodies that we're inhabiting will have the ability to perceive the dimensions of time more more clearly or the metaphysical dimensions more clearly um i think that's what they mean by saying that the third this distinction does not hold sway they're seen as the same part of the same thing i think mm -hmm. The calculations necessary to move from one system to another through the dimensions are somewhat difficult. Therefore, we have the most difficulty sharing numerical concepts with you and take this opportunity to repeat that our, our request that you monitor our numbers <laughs> and any and any query that seemed questionable. So they're saying that sometimes they they would they would state the third and fourth dimension or density and mean the opposite, mean the other. Um, yeah. I, I interpreted that a little bit more broadly and probably less um, generously, I suppose, when they said the calculations necessary to move from one system to another. I'm thinking like, oh boy, you know, I'd love to hear them try to explain the math um, of related to trans-dimensional um, movement, um, but then instead pivot immediately to, but if we, you know, if there's anything that you, you guys question the math on, it's like, like, I'm going to understand the first thing that they could possibly explain around any of that. Yeah. And I think that the, the, um, I mean, if everything is vibration and, and you're calculating things in terms of vibration, 
been, you know, that the whole sine and cosine the waves, you know, at what, at what amplitude and, and uh, um, what frequency are you, are you vibrating at? I think that would be the, the, in my mind, the only way that they could quantify this process, you know, would be to kind of talk about it in a vibrational frequency and amplitude type way. Cause it is so, it, it's, it's a very non-quantifiable type thing. Okay. I see there's, there's another question from Carrie here um, that I can address. I think where did my chat go? Okay. Um, Carrie had asked, we don't really know if duality exists on a multiverse level though. That is an assumption. Wouldn't you all agree? It could be so completely divergent that we wouldn't even grasp the laws of one for the creator set during um, set forth for those particular universes. And I would say that um, I did try to answer that, by the way, oh, at, did? I didn't address Carrie specifically, but um, that's what I was saying that when we interpreted that earlier around the manyness, I was um, presuming because we were talking about and we went on to the next passage that said this was before universes were created and uh, granted i'm having to to stitch these together a little bit but if we interpret this to say that the creator decided finiteness and manyness before the the universal creative principle you know was even born then i would say that manyness and therefore duality are fundamental to all universes and of exactly. course the reverse interpretation is is certainly available to you that if you if you believe that the universes were created first and that the manyness has been there for a phenomenon um, that and and as I asserted here could also be um, experienced to varying degrees um, between duality and non dualism it could be anywhere in between in any number of universal expression so yeah. I could I could see it that way but I my interpretation is that manyness was more fundamental and foundational. Right. Right. It seems like the the very fact that we're talking about different universes implies we're talking about different um, <laughs> a manyness of of different aspects of reality. Um, exactly. Like in an in and of itself, it's sort of inherent necessarily by by there being a multiverse. Yeah, you're you're kind of back into that. Um, and be because as one, then I think you have you're out of finity and you're back into infinity. Right. Which is then you are no thing. And so without manyness, there is no thing. And there is therefore presumably no experience. Um, and this is the sacred uh, geometry of the triangle, by the way, that sort of creates the the perspective. And then even the tetrahedron um, that describes the the gained perspective where you now see the entire process. Uh, of of choice and and ramification and so forth happening the loop you know that we were talking about earlier with ai the the feedback loop of information going back in um the tetrahedron is created as as one steps away from the the triangle to see the whole process as a whole um yeah that's man i love duality and non-duality itself i think are 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 just the the very center the very heart of of all of the law of one and all of philosophical seeking, I think that that's the the most fundamental paradox that we that we are trying to solve here, and it's all solved in the law of one, as Ross says beautifully. All paradoxes. All right, I guess this might be a good time to wrap it up now. If anyone have any last uh, thoughts here.
duality seems seems simplistic in a, in a way yeah well it's it's i think it seems simplistic because it is a fundamental of the experiences that we have just like you know andrew said you we all started as one seeking to experience finiteness so it's simple because it is a fundamental law you know a simple rule of math is one plus one equals two but you can't have you know nine times nine equals 81 without one plus one equals two so you know yeah it's simple but it it's simple because it's a core rule almost it's foundational it's it's the creative principle behind experience i think again yeah. i don't think that you can have experience with without finity um, mm -hmm. because it takes perspective in order to gain experience and perspective can only be gained with multiple viewpoints and so multiple viewpoints can only be gained with manyness and so that to me seems why it's fundamental and and therefore characteristic of all universes yeah, and it did say at the one of the very beginning passages that we read that all of these things that we spoke of came before the formation of matter and non-duality was that before the formation of matter when the universe became aware still no matter there's no duality the universe decided to have free will you know still aware still no duality but still no universe still no physical universe but love as a as a logos in a way sort of represents the first um individuation outside of that of that oneness because it's then described as logos and it's described as in its multiplicity because there are many loves or different right. flavors of love being the the creative principle the driving force behind uh, a, a created universe and so that distortion from will to love and love necessarily is the sympathetic vibration. It is the the will to bestow, as the the Kabbalists call it. And so, that desire to bestow creates uh, a consciousness that that then um, can receive or or will create, um, you know, holographically and fractally thereafter. And and then at that point, that's when they said that you know then. Then there was the light, and then the universe and matter was created. Right. The light then yeah. creates the universes. So I right. think that that love as logos is is really what creates duality to, mm -hmm. to begin with. At least our first semblance of it, right. maybe ar archetypal duality, as opposed to like again degrees of duality. So we might still experience it, maybe two different degrees in different universes, but um, you know fundamentally that still always required an additional perspective to. Um, to create experience. Duality can mean other things too. I guess duality can be a reference to polarity. And I guess that 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 reaches another level of distortion, I guess, with the concepts. Um, many yeah, that... is probably the proper word for what we're talking about. And polarity is a separate version of duality that relates to the choices of expression that, that would unfold with the Logos making a decision to have very different types of experiences. Indeed. I would say to directly answer Carrie's question, she said, that's an assumption, wouldn't you all agree? I would agree that everything that we're saying here are assumptions because we, we don't know it all. And we're kind of just trying to talk it out and figure it out all, you know, like from our different all together. Point of view. 
Yeah. Right so I, I don't know. It's, it's, I think one of my favorite footnotes in the whole book was um, when they mentioned that they didn't think that rock could count past one. <laughs> I, I don't remember where it is, but they're like, Oh, Mike, you, you, you must remember where he says something like uh, it said that rock could never count accurately past one or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty funny. All right. Um, this was a great call. This is a uh, man, intelligent infinity. We could obviously talk yeah. about this again and again, but yeah, um, I definitely want to get Nathan's input on uh, pieces of this too. So maybe we'll continue this next time, maybe with a little bit more emphasis on the chakra system, because the chakra system is basically what is the the thing to navigate to become aware of intelligent infinity through activating that that level of awareness. Yeah, we'll have to talk to him uh, if Nathan uh, can make it on the 25th when we get together. We'll have to talk to him and uh, try and get him up to speed or maybe see if he can watch the recording before and then and then we can have the chat because I'm sure again, like you said, he's got some some beautiful insights into it. Yep. Yep. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Mike.